This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Mark Noble for West Ham. Now Arnautovic, he's onside and scores! Manchester United are back to two goals behind. And Marco Arnautovic, Hammers top scorer, has done it again. Lovely cool finish, stayed onside, waited and waited, and just stroked it past De Gea. Gone back to Trippier, guys are running for Kane, 1-0 Spurs, Harry Kane. Who cares that he's not been so good in September as he has in previous Septembers? He's found the net. Sturridge goes for an absolute worldie and gets it. That is magnificent. It's a stunning equaliser from Daniel Sturridge. It's the Premier League preview show for week eight of the 18-19 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up this weekend... The two horses in the race meet on Sunday with the champions, Manchester City, and the challengers, Liverpool, both locked together on 19 points at the top. If there's one man who can beat Guardiola, it's Klopp, but City remain the team to beat in English football. Also, Jose Mourinho remains headline news. If Man United can't beat winless Newcastle this weekend, then there might be another sponsor coming into this commercial giant, Jose Sachs, without fire prevention technology. Tough matchups also for the Europa League teams, and still three teams remain without a win. Let's say hello to our panel. Firstly, Talk Sports football editor David Walker. Did you like that joke, Dave? You seemed like you groaned when I did it. <laughs> I was going to say, not one of your best. Was that a groaner? Think. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed laughing at it. That's the most important thing. Uh, also with us on the programme, David Connolly, former West Ham Leicester Watford striker. How are you, mate? I'm very good. You, Tom? Review of the joke out of ten? Uh, six. Oh, that's pretty high. See, you liked it. A man with taste, that is, Dave. You've got fairly low standards if you're pleased with the six, aren't you, I suppose? <laughs> yeah, quite good. Yeah. Anything over five is very, very good okay. for me. Uh, also with us on the show for the first time, Ben Thorney, former Man U and Huddersfield midfielder. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Tom. Did you enjoy it, little chortle? Uh, that's a four for me. Oh, no. 
Okay, I'll try harder for next week. Right, let's get on to the programme. A quick reminder, if you're listening to this show on a radio station, you can download an extended podcast. Search for TalkSport Premier League Preview Show on Acast, iTunes, any other good podcast provider. Right, let's get into match one. You know what match one is. It's 4.30 UK time on Sunday. It's Liverpool against Manchester City. Liverpool unbeaten in their last 24 home league games. The longest current run in the Premier League. Man City have lost three matches against the Reds in 2018, losing in the Premier League in January and those two Champions League matches in April. So, Ben Thorne, let's come to you first on this. It seems like Liverpool have got Man City's number. It would certainly seem so. Um, if last season's anything to go by, Manchester City didn't enjoy playing them home or away. Um, and I don't think they're going to get any joy this time. I think Liverpool are absolutely awesome at home with the, with the three forwards that they've got yes we know that Salah is yet to find his feet but uh, I just think that Manchester City have a, a little bit of a hoodoo going to, to Anfield and I, I can I can see Liverpool doing the doing a job again Dave with Man City do you think that loss to Leon in the Champions League did what Guardiola said which was liven everyone up a bit because there was a little bit of complacency Yes, I mean, look, I think they're always up against it. I think that second year, um, obviously title winners, I saw them live. I did the game for TalkSport against Oxford, a much-changed team that was still really, really strong. And the players that came in did excellently. Even the likes of Zinchenko, who I think might actually start at left-back. I know he didn't in the week. Um, you know, they've played Laporte there as well at times. Companies now back fit. I think they actually look really, really strong at the minute. I think they're going to... Out of all the games, I think, against Liverpool, I think this is Liverpool's toughest one. I really do. I think this is the time when they've got a nice mix about them. They've got a really nice balance. I like that they're playing with natural width. Previously, it might be Mares, for example, on the right, cutting, cutting in, Sterling on the left. But I like Sane attacking naturally down wide on the left. I like Sterling naturally down on the right. I think they look really strong, obviously, with Walker at that pace. I think Zinchenko might get the nod at left back. I think that actually City could turn the tables here. And I think the narrative so far this season has been all about Liverpool and how much they've improved and how good they look and how much of a genuine title challenger they're going to be this season. Man City go into this game top of the table and with an opportunity to just remind everyone, actually, guys, we're still the best team. And also, if you look at their goal difference, what are they, plus 18? I think they've got six more yeah. than, than yeah. Liverpool already. They're 21, uh, they are. They're at 21. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so, you know, that's a lot to make up as well. And I always had this nagging doubt, I, I don't know what you think, but... To me, Daniel Sturridge, I'm a huge fan of his. Mm. And I know Firmino is a top, top player, and, and don't get me wrong. I still feel that they need extra goals from somewhere. I really do. And I think Sturridge is, the likes of Sturridge is going to be really important for Liverpool. What about that goal last week? A absolutely phenomenal finish. He tried it in the cup game a couple of days previous for Liverpool. And it hit the crossbar and came away. The exact same shot a couple of days later against the same team. It was like a free kick in match play. I've never seen a goal like it. What about Daniel Sturridge getting a start this weekend? It's certainly possible. Um I think that when you when you go when you come on and you, you score a goal like that is is his appearances as of late and certainly into last uh, going back to last season were always from the bench and it will be very very interesting to see if he can if he can do what he's what he's done from the bench from the start because as you just said Sam that was a, a phenomenal finish. I mean, he's got what, 17 goals, I think, as a sub in the Premier League, only behind Giroud and Defoe. So he's got that tag, which a top player like him won't like. He won't like that tag as a super sub. He'll be the sort of player that will want to play. And the problem I think Liverpool have, they've got 
probably 16 players that want to play. Mm. You know, and, and at times it's trying to fit them all in. But that front three, the front three that starred so much last time around... Salah has not hit top form. It's been nowhere near top form. Uh, and some of the efforts he had against Chelsea, I was doing the game, and early on he cuts inside, left boot, no one's coming into him, and there's nowhere. There's nowhere. To, he just bobbles it through at the goalkeeper. He, he didn't He didn't try and do anything. There was no conviction in it. Sadio Mane hasn't really hit top form, despite the goals he's been scoring. He hasn't quite played that well. He's running down blind alleys. He's not quite doing it. Firmino, I think, has played well, to be fair. I just wonder whether Jurgen Klopp is going to be able to make a brave decision having hit on the strongest team, that the strongest team ain't quite doing it. The super sub is, let's play him. And what about Shakiri? Shakiri, yeah, I was thinking about that as well because he, uh, he gives them something different and he's a tremendous dead ball specialist as well. Um, okay, he might not have the the same levels of fitness, and and I know that Klopp likes his front three to close down, and that's what makes them such a good unit as well as going forward. They're very very good defensively as well. Uh, Shakiri doesn't quite give you that, but what he does give you is uh, is is excellence from from set pieces. I think the squads are important in this game because they've both come off the back of tough Champions League games where they were mm. both pushed right to the end Liverpool conceding in the last minute City getting a late winner um, and it will be interesting to see if that comes into thinking of driver manager I think with the, with the lineups. Uh, Naby Keita got stretched off uh, in midweek looks like he might be alright to play this weekend well, I've, I've um, it said in the papers this morning I, I haven't got a full I've team seen, who's on I've it seen I, mean, I, think, might not. I think that's why he's obviously made all these signings so that they are strong enough to compete on all these different mm. competitions obviously if they keep going out then you know obviously that begs the question but what I would say is going back to say Liverpool and how they for example play out if you compare the two teams City I know they're top at the minute Liverpool just in behind but if you compare how they play out City are streets ahead let's be honest their way of playing and their structure is so good it's so well planned and they're so good at the back going forward you compare that with Liverpool and I've done a few games done done some for talk sport and obviously we've all seen them live they are nowhere near at the same place as Man City whether it's at the, at the back in the goalkeeper Allison, whether it's the two centre halves you know whether it's Gomez you could, you could keep going they are nowhere near as accomplished as Man City playing out and I think mm. if I was City I'd be immediately going for that high press as you spoke about I'll, I'll be playing exactly like Liverpool trying to win it high and I just don't think Liverpool are in the same place as City I think at the minute although, although everyone Liverpool's got a lot of plaudits I think City are ahead of them and yet Klopp has got a really good record against Guardiola. Mm. Obviously, last season we know what happened with Liverpool, but at, at Dortmund he had success against him as well. So, I mean, what is it? What is it about Klopp that Guardiola just can't handle? Well, I think that what Klopp will look to do is try and get it off City, who are playing out. But I just wonder whether, you know, Liverpool, they are the home team. They will have the ball a fair amount of time. And, and I'm sure Klopp, um, Guardiola will be just going, look, can we go and press it, win it high? They are nowhere near as good at City at playing out. No way. You know what's near. interesting about this? And it does take me a little bit to Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United, because I think... Every team that plays Man City are afraid to play them, except for Jurgen Klopp teams, except for Wolverhampton Wanderers this season, and a few others. When teams added the Bristol City game last year, I think we I done it together, Dave, and yep. we're watching it thinking they've tried to get them. They might not win the game, but they've tried to get at them. And I just wonder whether Klopp has this great record because he's not afraid of Guardiola, whereas Neil Warnock, I mean, he treated the whole thing like a day trip. Oh, lovely to meet you, Pep. It's great. Do you like my legs? Like it was pathetic. <laughs> There's no question that he he unsettles Guardiola with the with his, the with the tactics that he uses, and that and that is for for him to go and win the ball early. Um, 
it worked on three occasions last year, so Guardiola is definitely going to be going to be worried about that. And no matter what dynamic he plays and and which personnel he chooses. Klopp will go the same way and especially with it being at Anfield they will want to get the ball back because as David quite rightly says they can pass the ball City from back to front very very easily uh, because they've got accomplished players all over the park with you know you start with the goalkeeper then you've got Stones and then it's threaded into midfield Fernandinho who's probably one of the first names on the team sheet he just seems to keep that midfield together and then once you get it into the, the, the front three or four then they, they absolutely run right and that is probably where Manchester City will definitely win the game because I think they're stronger Going forward, than 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 um, than Liverpool are defensively, and they still have De Bruyne to come back. He's back training, so I think look, I think he'll play. You he think he'll play? I think he'll play. Do you this weekend? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why do you think that? Who do you know? Come because. on, <laughs> tell us your insider context. No, I, 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 you know the physio, don't you? He's, a, <laughs> he's your pal. He's giving you a massage, isn't he? Come on, you can tell us. Not at all. No not at all. He's um, he's a he's a key key player for them, and uh, and he was he's I say he's been a big miss city at top of the table, no. but. City are there already, so you can imagine what they're going to do when they've got somebody of, of his quality when they're back in the team. I think he he is he will be a big plus for them if he comes back on 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 Sunday. Another big player for City, obviously Sergio Aguero. Oh yeah, never scored at Anfield in eleven games. Is that true? Yeah, that's shocking. I am immediately stripping him of the captain's armband for Rennie's Roughnecks this weekend. I'm doing it. Well, everyone else get him in there. <laughs> yeah, I am rubbish, that is true. What I like about City as well is they're, they're, <laughs> their strikers are your archetypal fox in the box. You know, it's, it's either Aguero or, or Gabriel Jesus. Mm. That's their strikers. Who missed the most big chances in this season? Jesus has. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's come very well researched today. <laughs> it's like being in a different show. It's really weird. Um, I want to ask about the way City go about it because everyone's talking about, you know, that... They'll do what City do. They'll play like City have played. Ben, you said it a few seconds ago that you still think they're going to impose themselves on their game plan, on the game and win. Well, they tried that three times in 2018. It ain't worked. Pep Guardiola is a tactical genius. I think we're all going to accept that. So is he not going to say, right, well, maybe, because I keep getting beaten in this game. He's not going to go back to the well and do the exact same thing. Maybe they do sit off. Maybe we see City with two defensive midfielders. Stones comes in alongside Fernandinho. They've got enough defenders to fill out the back line. Why not? see Guardiola try something different. He has done it in big Champions League games. Certainly with Bayern he did it, where there were games where it was a bit like, we aren't going to win this game. And it didn't work out for him, to be fair. They got smashed by Real Madrid. But I wonder whether there might be some thought processes this week. Like I, I, I don't think he'll change to a back three. Look, he has played 3-4-3 three, three previously, you know, and he's settled, gone back to a back four. And I think they suit the back four. Um, Stones played a holding midfield role against Oxford. I don't think he's suited to a holding midfield role. I imagine it would just be a traditional 4-3-3 three, three from City. I think it's going to be goals. I really do. I think it'll be a great game, but I kind of agree with the rest of the panel that Man City are going to win this one. But if Liverpool do win it, I mean, this is going to be a great season. I kind of want them to win. I kind of want them to. You do, right? You're a big Liverpool fan this weekend, Not ben. at all, but I, I, I have tipped Liverpool Can to, you pick to, one to keep here? it going. Can you pick one of these teams? Do you well, just want this game not to have happened? Well, I, I mean... wish I, it was 2013? <laughs> That'd be nice, yeah. We'll get on to Man United (laughs) up next, because, of course, they are back page news once again. Uh, And as are Newcastle, who they face this weekend, I wonder if a lovely calzone between Rafa Benitez and Mike Ashley solved all their problems. Let's talk about it next. Well, the referee puts his whistle in his mouth because seconds are running out and you can hear the reaction. Boos around Old Trafford. They have failed to get the three points against Valencia. Lots of huff and puff, not a lot of quality, and the crowd have acknowledged that fact. And Jose Mourinho, he will not have a very comfortable press conference after this one because at Old Trafford, in Group H, it has finished Manchester United nil, Valencia nil. 
Our second game of the show, Man United up against Newcastle, 5.30 UK time on Saturday. Man United have just 10 points from seven Premier League games this season. They last had fewer at this stage of a top-flight campaign back in 1989-90 when they just had seven points. But it's not all about Man U, though. Plenty of this will be because Newcastle have been pretty bad themselves. Winless in their last seven Premier League games. Only in 1898, yeah, I did say that right. 1898-99 and 2015-16. Uh, so a century in between these terrible seasons. Uh, they've gone longer without a win from the start of a top flight campaign. So essentially their third worst ever start to a top flight season. Not great for Newcastle, but maybe a nice... What's your favourite thing to eat in Italian restaurant day? Do you like a bolognese? Uh, meatballs. You're a meatball kind of guy. Yeah, Maybe yeah. a nice plate of meatballs between the meatball himself, Mike Ashley, and another big meatball. Rafa Benitez has made things better. I don't know. We'll do Newcastle in a sec. Uh, let's do Man United first. Ben Thorne, let's come to you. Of course, you work for MUTV. You're there all the time. You play for the club during a great era for Man United. Um, and this is not that. Let's put it that way. What has gone so wrong in the last few weeks? And it really is the last few weeks because the opening few weeks of the season... They weren't great entertainment-wise, but it wasn't this kind of listing ship disaster we kind of have seen from the outside in the last few weeks. No, it isn't. Um, having said that, Tom, you know we, we were the only team in Europe last season to not concede three goals in a game. Um, and they also were scoring goals as well. And already this season, three teams have put three pastors in the Premier League in Brighton, Spurs and West Ham. Uh, so that needs addressing to, to, to start with. But you can't just blame the defence. It's all over the pitch. And, and what is is worrying for me is in some games the the distinct lack of of any sort of effort um the one thing that any footballer prides himself on no matter how it's going quality wise is that you put in a shift and and too many of the players at, at different times have not done that um i don't know what jose Mourinho is saying to the guys at the moment um but one thing i do know is that they definitely need to, to win on, on Saturday for all manner of reasons uh, yes there's always going to be be talk because it's Man United and because it's Jose Mourinho uh, it's always going to be back page headlines but more so at the moment because of the public spats between the manager and, and Paul Pogba because the team are not doing well and it, it, it really is alarming um, the amount of games that they've already lost considering mm. they looked after the first season to the second season they improved on the league place and you really did think that with that huge gap to bridge with Manchester City winning last season that they would have taken some heart from the fact that they went to the Etihad and they overturned a two goal deficit which I, I wouldn't have thought anybody would have done against Manchester City home or away last year so they know that they've got the players but at the moment the consistency and the level of performance is way down what it should be at Old Trafford Is this game make or break as ridiculous as that sounds a home game to Newcastle I mean, if they lose in a, bad, in a bad way with a bad performance is he gone next week? Well <laughs> I'd like to say no, for the simple reason being that I don't want Manchester United to become a club that starts sacking managers every 18 months. But You're already that club, aren't you? Pardon? You're already that club. Well, you have sacked a manager every 18 months, Exactly, exactly. Or has it happened in the summer, mostly? So will he get, for example, they, they don't really do it mid-season, do they? So, you know, Van Gaal, for example. He um, went at the end, but they sacked David yeah, Moyes mid-season. April, April, May, they kind of... The season was over with the Moyes thing, wasn't it? That's point, what I mean. So, yeah. It was normally end of season as opposed to... Now. Well, it's it's certainly in my lifetime it's unprecedented. So I've I've never known a club, Manchester United, to get rid of a manager during the season, if you like, you know, barring what we've just said about David Moyes. But the hierarchy will, without question, have 
have a, a, a very, very difficult decision to make this weekend should United not get a result against Newcastle. If they do, it's made slightly easier because they can go into the international break. They've got three points under the, uh, you know, to go away with. But the vultures will be circling if United get nothing more than a win this, this weekend. I do want to ask the rest of the panel a couple of questions as well. But just to come back to you on this as well, because, of course, you did the, you do all the games. Uh, you did the, the game in the Champions League in midweek. You were doing West Ham for us last week as well. McTominay in a defensive three made no sense to many of us. Uh, I don't know how long they've been working on it, but, I mean, you and John were doing the game and you were a bit like, what is the formation here? Certainly John was. You know your stuff. Uh, and then the game midweek, they go back to the old formation. It's a 4-3-3 and, you know, it was a tough game. Fair enough. Champions League and all that. I mean, is it the tactics of the manager that isn't allowing the players to perform or is it the players not performing because they want the boss out? Oof. I don't know about the latter, but certainly... The uh, the decision to play Scott McTominay was a was an awful strange one because he isn't a centre half and he hasn't played either. And when you think that he's got the likes of Eric Bailly on the bench, then what sort of signals is that sending out to him that he's prepared to play a midfielder that hasn't played this season in his position? Um, it didn't look, especially from the third goal, that they'd done much work on it when there was a you know a gap the size of the Mersey Tunnel that uh, Marco Nautovic <laughs> went straight into, um, and then quickly reverted back to a back four in midweek. So for me, that sort of says... Jose Mourinho doesn't really know his best combination uh, and that must be hard for a manager to know that he's got so much quality in his side and yet the mistakes that each combination keeps making um, is is alarming really. I mean I feel sorry for Scott McTominay because he's at the centre of a lot of this. He was selected wasn't he above Pogba and there was a big fallout from that. Then when he's finally brought in he's in a back three. I mean why you play a back three against against West Ham I, I don't know. scared of West Ham. It's incredible. It was bizarre. Why don't you just you just play a back four and tuck your tuck your, your full backs in a little bit narrower because really to be honest you've just got to look after Arnautovic. I mean he scored I think it's 50 or 60% of West Ham's goals. You look after him you negate them. You know, and you don't go and play a formation that you've you know you haven't really worked on, or you've got the players to suit against a, a side who've got a formidable at the minute in form front three. I, they're basically gone three for three. I thought it was it was crazy, and I can't see I can't see him getting out of this because after this game, they've got Chelsea, Juventus home and away. Their fixtures are tough, um, but it's not becoming to me. He's not becoming of a of a United manager. You know, he, his attitude, his demeanour. It started pre-season when they lost to Liverpool. Do you remember? And he said, I wouldn't have paid the money to come yeah. out here. And you're thinking, I mean, come on. And then the signings. You know, he can't keep demanding signings when obviously he's brought the likes of Lindelof, etc. in for yeah. and buy for big money. And then he, and has we were pop, just... he has a pop at his defenders after the game the other night. He said, well, we don't have... A, the defenders are not good enough to play out from the back. Well, exactly. You, you signed after them. Exactly. And then we were just discussing this because a player we both know who's available for about three and a half million quid, Johnny Evans, he could have bought. That was three and a half Johnny million. Johnny Evans? Is that really the answer to Man United's defensive problems? Let me tell you. I'd rather you, have jo- Scott McTominay in there. Johnny Evans Johnny Evans been... at West Brom last year was awful. He would be in the Chelsea game and Eden Hazard was playing a different sport to him and that's the level he's got meant to be yeah, at but he's, yeah but Eden Hazard is at a different level to everyone at the minute I I think Johnny Evans would have been a much much better signing than spending well, they, well they'd even try to spend 35 on Yerry Mina who had one decent World Cup yeah. I think he, he, he could have had the players but obviously I think his past signings have, have, have cost him Woodward probably doesn't trust him you know mm. that's 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 the thing and he, I guess you contrast that with someone who's linked today Pochettino as the manager when he didn't get the signings he just towed the party line in the press you know to okay we've got strong enough boys and we'll improve them and maybe Edward was thinking that's the sort of guy we need in charge of our club however with Tottenham right now 
they played a game, I know it's Barcelona, to be fair, but they didn't have the players. They're having their first injury crisis ever, and he hasn't had the players to make Tottenham better. So he's in the same sort of boat. They just like Pochettino more, don't they? Yeah, I I, I I just think probably Pochettino signed his contract too early and he lost that bit of bargaining power. But, you know, um, I think he's a top, top manager. I think he's the sort of manager who would suit United ugh, down to the ground. Mm. Uh, ben, briefly, we've got to go to Newcastle, but I want to ask you about what next to Mourinho. They'll beat Newcastle this weekend. Newcastle are a very, very poor team. I think they'll win it quite comfortably. When that happens, and I feel pretty confident of it, what happens over the next few weeks? They've mentioned the tough games they've got coming up. Are we going to see during the, the international break coming up fairly soon that we are going to not be talking about Man U for a couple of weeks and we're going to see everything settle down? Will there be some meetings? Will Pogba and Mourinho be in the same room together or will, will they not speak to each other? Where does it go from here after a victory? I think it will settle down, uh, but only until the lads start filtering back from the international break. Uh, and then, as Davies quite rightly pointed out, We've got a run of Juventus, Chelsea, and then finishing off with with Everton at the end of the month. Three fixtures that are, are notably tough, and and then you've got the added spice of Cristiano Ronaldo coming back to to hopefully not haunt Manchester. Everybody's looking forward to seeing him, but we don't want to see him playing well uh, because at the moment the way that United's defence are going about the business, then they they'll be meat and drink to him. So it will settle down, I'm sure, as long as we do get a win. If it doesn't, it'll rumble on right the way through the international break. There's no question. Another interesting, I think, thing is, is Mourinho got rid of his number two and he also, when he took over, he was quite quick to get rid of the, you know, whether it's gigs and they never really had a United player in the staff. And I just wonder, he's complaining a lot about the pundits. You know, they are getting into his head, Mourinho. You know, the pundits are saying this, the pundits are saying that. It's all you the know, United boys. It's Goals, all, Rio. It's all, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what, what I'm saying, I just wonder where he could have just been a bit cleverer, you know, and kept a couple on side. Just got him involved with the club somehow because he was too keen to get rid of everyone. And look, he's brought Michael Carrick in, but Michael's, you know, probably, you know, he, he's probably balls, bibs and cones at the minute. He might need someone a bit more... You know, active in them. I don't know if Michael's done his badges, and I'm sure he'd be a great coach. Young but at a minute, he, yeah. he's young. He needs probably, you know, he's probably missing his number two. He probably needs, you know, a bit of support from the press. And at the minute, because he's alienated half the previous United players, he's not getting it from anywhere. And I'm sure that's contributing. I, I think something we've got to watch out for. Mourinho's got to watch out for in the, in, the ne- in the next couple of weeks over the international break. Every time we have an international break, the players leave the club. The press officers don't have control over them. You watch Pogba will be talking to French radio. They go up, they talk in their own language to their own countries. And some, there's always a story, there's always a line every international break from some player who's unhappy who's talked to his own media. And I, I'd, I'd be certain that someone's going to yeah. say something about Mourinho. He will be very mindful of that. There's no question. Absolutely. If Pogba says, je n'aime pas Mourinho, we know he don't like him. <laughs> bit of French for you there. Um, Got to ask you about Newcastle. Now, I don't know if you guys know any of the hot spots of the northeast to go and eat. I don't know if you've been uh, to the Ponteland restaurant. I assume it's ASA. I don't get invited to these classy Italians. Uh, well, this week, Mike Ashley has taken Rafa Benitez and the players out to a lovely Italian meal. And it's all all right again. Everything's going to be fine now because there have been some face-to-face meetings. Um, guys, I don't know what could have been said in this kind of meeting. My bosses don't take me out. So maybe t- tell me, in your career, Dave, have you ever been taken out by the chairman and the manager with the rest of the playing squad? And what happens at these kind of things? And, and will it have cleared the air? No, I don't think it wouldn't have cleared the air. No, but yeah, we've you've always gone out um, at times, whether it's the chairman and the, and the and the staff and the players. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah, it happens. Uh, you wouldn't say it happens regularly. It might happen once or twice a season, maybe. And you can tell there's trouble because obviously Mike Ashley's in attendance. So he wasn't the last game against Leicester. I think they had 
I think six shots the whole game, one on target. And obviously Ashley's there first time he was there for, well, since May um, 2017. You just think, you know, this is obviously a club that's that's in trouble. And and they've got to be careful because Rafa is a better manager than, yeah. than them. And it, they'll be... They'll be like Villa or, or even someone from the championship he'll, he'll jump ship he's got Newcastle Pro and he'll think you know what I'm better off out of here and he probably is I think the last thing Rafa would want was a sit down meal with his entire squad and Mike Ashley because really what he wants to say to Ashley is this lot ain't good enough <laughs> you know that's his issue isn't if it the he not got the players he wants any scraps he goes yeah Jocelyn yeah. to start with yeah. <laughs> I mean it is a crazy thing I mean it's interesting to find out that they, they do do it quite regularly because they've made a big deal with this uh, and there's been, oh, did Mike Ashley flick the V's at the fans outside? The fans found out where the restaurant is somehow and started chanting, where's the money gone? Probably ruined the ambience totally of the violinist that was playing in the background, I'm sure. But what about the way Newcastle set up this weekend, Ben? Because whenever I've watched a big game with Newcastle, they've gone nine at the back with Rondon or Josselu up front, hopefully try and hold it. They've embarrassed themselves. They've embarrassed the league. They ain't got a win yet. I mean, are they going to try and attack this vulnerable Man United who bottled it against West Ham? Well, that's um, that is arguably the best way to go um, because United are vulnerable, as, as you quite rightly said. And if Newcastle sit back uh, and try and soak up pressure, they've already proved this season that no matter how they play, it, it's going to come unstuck for them. So the be- I think the best way to go about it is come to Old Trafford and have a go. Uh, and that will hopefully make United certainly more exciting to watch and, and gaps will appear and we can we can go and win the game. If Newcastle score that first goal, this could be a fantastic game. Not for you, uh, but it'd be really fun for us neutrals. Right, got to move on. Next section of the show, we're going to talk about Fulham against Arsenal. Maybe not the trip you want to make early on Sunday when you've just done 5,000 miles to Carabag. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Wild that finish and here come Arsenal again. I won't be involved. Here's Lacazette, Ozil, 2-0. Game done and dusted now, you feel. Mesut Ozil scores. 
Unai Emre wants more goals from the German. He's getting more goals from the German. Seven minutes to go. Surely that's it. Right, let's move on. Fulham against Arsenal. 12 o'clock UK time on Sunday. The Gunners have won their last two Premier League away games under Unai Emery. That's the same number they won in their last 12 on the road under Arsene Wenger. They go to a Fulham side this weekend who have started the season well by many people's standards, yet... No wins in their last four. An embarrassing defeat against Everton last time out. What are Fulham missing and how important is this game to Slavica Jukanovic's side? Um, let's talk firstly about Fulham because I think a lot of people were full of praise and rightly so for the way they've, they've started this season, the way they've played this season. And yet in games where they've led against Brighton, they've lost it. In games where they've played well, they've lost. And they went to Everton last week and they were in the mix for a decent amount of time. But when the first goal went in, they certainly felt like they were crumbling in the game. How short are Fulham, Dave, do you think, of of the side we expected? How far away are they from Wolverhampton Wanderers, who we kind of put them on the same level at the start of the season? Yeah, I think the difference with with Fulham is basically the whole back four is gone. Um, so, you know, Fredericks is gone. Um, Callas is gone. Matt, Matty Target, who came in in January, who Reem's was been excellent. Injured, isn't he, all Reem's been injured. Um, the goalkeeper's been injured. So, you know, that, that whole base that was so important to them, you know, is, is just been ripped out of them. Now, they go from back to front really well. In the championship, they were superb. But they had a really settled team. Now, why didn't they go and sign Matt Target? Now, whether Southampton didn't want to sell him for 15 million, I don't know, at a minute he's on the bench, but what a waste. As it is, they're kind of making do in that left-back area, whether it's Joe Bryan or, or Ryan Sessignon. They haven't quite settled that down, and they've just got too much of a change back four. And look, Dennis Adoy, he was terrific in the Championship. I don't know if you saw the goals. I put him at fault for literally every goal. Cross came in against Everton, poor clearance to the edge of the box, and against you know top players... One touch, bang, it's in the back of the net. He lost Tosin for the header at the back post. who just pulled off him. You could go on. Look, you, you know, when you're playing in the Premier League, you've got to be defensively sound. They're shipping far too many goals. They're way too open. Yes, they've got good players, but they're so reliant on Mitrovic. You think mm. he scored something like 60% of their goals. You take him out of the team, they've only got Rui Font. They've got nobody else. And when they haven't had Mitrovic, boy, have they struggled. I don't know what Newcastle were doing letting him go, though, no. because what would they do with him? I was but... just about to say the same thing, yeah. Just about to say the same thing. He's uh, He's been a bit of a marquee signing for them, and like you said, David, where would they be without him? And also, look, they spent 20 million on Alfie Mawson. I did the game against Watford for, for TalkSport. He had an absolute nightmare. I mean, he was all over. Couldn't handle, he couldn't handle Dean. He couldn't handle Gray. Couldn't handle that physical presence. He was all over the place. And you think, well, that's 20 million, right? He's gone now. What, what are we going to do now? Now it's back to the championship pairing. And I think they're, gonna, I think they're in for a tough game. Here. Well, they're coming up against a team who have a very inform and functioning forward line at the moment, don't they? So mm. it will be tough. Uh, I wonder whether Fulham will bring back uh, Tom Kearney, who came off the bench, I think, against Everton last week uh, and hasn't been playing because of injury. And also McDonald's been dropping down to the bench as well. They've been playing Seri in midfield alongside, I can't say his name, Zambo and Guisa, I want to say properly. But yep. they didn't look a great balance last week. That championship pairing might need to come back. And against this Arsenal team, right? Now, I have watched Arsenal a fair amount this season. Uh, and I was watching the game with a Watford fan last week. Of course, I watched the West Ham game a few weeks ago. I haven't seen them play well and win once. In every game, Watford should have been out of sight. 
by the time that Arsenal opened the scoring. West Ham should have been out of sight. Everton, I thought, were the better team against them. Um, in fact, the only time they actually played well, I thought, was the Chelsea game. And they and they got beat in that game, which is bizarre. I mean, if they could have scored some of them sitters, they probably would have beaten Chelsea on the day. Cardiff. Cardiff, another about, great example. Yeah. That I, I don't understand how they keep winning. And I need one of you guys to explain how it's happening because I'm not getting it. I don't see it. Every week, I think they're going to lose this week. The defence looks poor. The midfield looks a bit of a mess, though Torreira's made them a bit better. They're putting their best striker on the wing. The goalkeeper, he's done his hamstring now, but the goalkeeper's made ricks every single week. And they keep winning. Tell me. Well, look, he's not going to deviate Unai Emery from his 4-2-3-1. He's going to play two holding midfield players no matter what. And then the rest have got a shoe in around that so as you say Aubameyang for example out wide on the left he has tried and played a 4-4-2 at times but he traditionally he likes those two holding midfield players and I can understand based on the two centre-halves and obviously they were conceding too many goals I think they're they're a little bit tighter as a unit you know than they were under Arsene Wenger no doubt and they do have the players in those top positions and that's I think that's why they're, they're basically letting Ramsey go because they go well you know what we are going to play this way. It means I've got to have a number 10. And my number 10 is going to be Ozil. And there's no real room for, for Aaron Ramsey. And if you've got the like of Lacazette and Aubameyang and Ozil, I mean, come on. You should be winning games. Yeah, I well, I agree. I mean, <laughs> Mesut Ozil has been a... Has been somewhat of a disappointment, not just recently, but in you know in the last couple of seasons. And we all know that he he is a quality player. And when he played for Germany against England, absolutely destroyed us. Uh, but. I th- I think that the the key thing for Arsenal is is getting Lacazette and and Aubameyang firing on all cylinders because Aubameyang we saw him at Dortmund I mean he's got pace to burn um I I don't understand how he's not getting into the positions to be able to score his goals because he he really can shift and and Lacazette as well uh, paid a lot of money for him didn't really click in the first season and it looks like they they they're just coming to the fore and like David said they are a tighter unit. Um, and if they lose, sorry, if they're winning games when they're not playing particularly well, when they actually do get these plays firing, then Arsenal, the, and the, the the recent form has suggested it, they can catapult themselves up the league. I mean, they're not a ball playing team. You know, you started about with Petr Cech. He's not. That's not his game, and mm. they look awful when You've they got do. Leno. That. Leno's going to come in now. Isn't Leno's going to come in. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be the, the the new number one. So you know, I think I think look, they've got they've got a the talent up top. There's 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 no doubt. Um, and I think he's just tried to make him a little bit more solid, a little bit harder to beat. They've still got loads of room to improve, though. I feel good Definitely. chance for Fulham though because of the long trip in the Europa League that many of this first team have made on the Thursday. And also, you know, they've got Danny Welbeck who's come up with goals, but. He's another one. He's out of contract. You know, it's another poorly managed situation, a bit like Ramsey. You know, he's he's coming but up Ramsey with goals. He's might 27. Go to like Juventus, whereas Welbeck will go at Birmingham City. Well, yeah, but what I feel is I that... Mean, a... Both of those are very wide of the mark. <laughs> yeah. They both go to West Ham, aren't they? Let's face it. Put a bit of money on that. Those two transfers happening and you ain't coming back next season. <laughs> Look, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. Let's talk about another Europa League team. Uh, Chelsea go to Southampton, Sunday 2.15. Uh, I want to start with Southampton because, once again for me, against Wolves last week, they just tried to contain Wolves. Eventually couldn't do it. If Wolves could score more goals, they would have been out of sight in that one. The defence looks poor. Vestergaard and Hoot, that's got to be the least mobile central defensive pairing in the league. And up front, once again, they just hope something breaks to Austin or Ings. And they hope they can convert it. They even played. They even played kind of, kind of. It was it was four four two, but it was almost like four eight two. 
last week against Wolves. They're so defensive. They're so negative in a lot of games. I think Southampton could be in a lot of trouble and I think they'll go so defensive against Chelsea this weekend. They'll be hoping that Chelsea have a similar game they did against West Ham where they look tired uh, from their Europa League game. Otherwise, this could be a bit of a mauling. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. I thought Southampton were one of my... Uh my teams to struggle this season I don't know where the goals are going to come for you, come from sorry you, you say that um, the, the back two uh, the centre half partnership are, uh, are immobile but I also find that with the front two as well and, and they are going to be literally feeding off scraps there's no question about it because I can't I can't see how they're going to unsettle a Chelsea team that is exceptionally good and when you've got Eden Hazard playing the way that he did I mean the goal that he scored against Liverpool was at Anfield was out of this world and he, he is at this moment in time I would say on par with being the best player although I did see Messi last night yeah. <laughs> he was sensational but but Eden Hazard is is every bit as good and, and he is key to the way Chelsea move the ball forward and, the, and the, their offensive line mm. I mean they're so bad away from home it puts an awful lot of pressure on their home form which has been terrible no wins I was at the Bournemouth game and you know they conspire to blow that and it doesn't look good for, for one of my former teams and uh, look if they played 4-4 Two, I don't think they've got enough legs and athleticism, but Danny Ings I think is a is a really good signing for them up top. But I'm not too sure he can play there by himself. So I think I think Mark Hughes is caught between a bit of a rock and a hard place at the minute. What can he do? What can he do against Chelsea to get something from it? Is, can he just hold on? Is that the game plan? Stop uh, Chelsea I, uh, scoring. Yeah, I think he'll he'll revert to just one up top and just trying to be really difficult and and hard to beat. But he is at home and they need wins. Look, if if your away form is all right, then you you, you know you might think okay, I can maybe go for something here. But because their away form is so bad, I don't know. They've got Bournemouth next and Newcastle. I think they're, they're games that really the fans will be looking. You know, we need to get some points out of. Uh, what of Chelsea? Uh, a great performance against Liverpool last week, but failed to get all three points thanks to that great Sturridge goal. I was, it was quite strange actually. I was doing the game and I thought it was a fantastic goal. And afterwards, I was reading, oh, the keeper should have saved it. The keeper, said, no way. There's no chance. But a lot of the praise was for David Luiz uh, after the game and yeah. his performances. What, what, what are you made of him? He's been well, but, quite decent, particularly from the manager who's been very impressed with him. And he was talking about how Luiz came to him in the summer and said, "Look, I'm, I don't know what went on last season. Two seasons ago, I was the main man. I was the, I was the guy that they built everything around at the back, and then and then I'm out cold next season. You know, the next season. So obviously there was a big problem with Conte. But everyone who, who seems to know who know more about football than I do, professionals say, oh, we can't play in a back four. But mm. I, mean, I just don't get that. Well, of course he. Why can't he? He's he's had a whole career doing it." Well, I, I'd then go back to and question, well, look at Gary Cahill. He'd, he'd be saying the exact same thing. I was captain, Premier League you know, winner all last season, can't get in a side. Yeah, he'll be on his way out. So I think he's come at a cost, Louise is coming at a cost to Gary Cahill, but I, I really like how they, they're going. I think they've they passed more than anyone else in the league. Um, they, they, there's obviously this Sarri ball, which is not a myth. It must be true, you know, and I'm sure we will see them improve because they were awful in the charity shield. They got absolutely picked apart. Um, by City, they went pressing far too high. Had no real legs, but you have to say, in terms of man management, he's done really well, hasn't he? He's got Hazard back on board, who looked like he was going off, and he's now obviously the, the top scorer in the league. He's getting a tune out of Ross Barkley. He's, he's relaxed things, I think, at Chelsea. Yeah, I've heard. I he's think been a calming influence. Conte hasn't he? used to make them um, stay in a hotel the night before the matches. Where Sarri said you can just stay with your families as long as you turn up on time. It's fine. You, you've relaxed the diets a little bit. It's not quite a strict regime, which I suppose for some players makes them happier and perform better. I never really understood the staying in the hotel with the teammates before the game. And, and maybe you guys can enlighten me on it. Because, I mean, if, if I've got work the next day and they were like, right, you and Dave got to stay in the same room together, 
then, I mean, the show would probably be a lot worse because we'd have probably got into many scraps during the night because I like a nice early night day's party animal I mean why do they do it I don't get it I'm not away t- games I understand sure but. it's an easy win right isn't it you come in particularly after a bad spell with a manager that had fallen out of favour with the players you're looking for easy wins to get the players on side and I just assume as pros if you're more happy and relaxed in the camp during the week which is where you spend most of your time you're going to be better at the weekend. I, I agree. I mean, I hated it. We stayed in a hotel before, even before home games, you know, as well as obviously away games. Mm-hmm. And, and you just felt you were always under pressure. You had to be there at a certain time, even the night before. You had to be on time for meals. You had to be on time for everything. And, and I think it just increases your stress levels. One thing it does do, though, it controls what food the players eat. It controls really what time they go to bed. Yeah, and you see them the whole time. So I think from a control point of view, that's why managers like it. But if you're looking at uh, sort of teams and, and, and their mental health and, you know, relaxation and, and being, you know, uh, prepared to go and play, I don't see any I don't see anything wrong with, with staying with your family. I really don't. I've no. always found it weird. I, I don't get it, that treating them like they're 12 years old. I always find bizarre. But, but there you go. Listen, we're going to move on to Tottenham Cardiff up next. Spurs may be facing their first mass injury crisis for the first time in years. Something we've spoken about a lot, when it might happen. It's happening now. Oh, they're facing Cardiff, are they? Oh, it doesn't matter then. Kane steps up and sends him the wrong way and sends Spurs two goals clear at the John Smiths with 12 to half time. Right, let's move on. Plenty more games to talk about here on the Premier League preview show. Let's start with Tottenham up against Cardiff City. Spurs lost their last home league game against Liverpool. They've not lost back-to-back Premier League home matches since May 2015. Cardiff winless in their seven Premier League games so far. Only twice in their history have they failed to win any of their first eight games to a league campaign. 1964 and 1989, second and third tier respectively. Uh, David, on Tottenham. We've spoken a lot about what happens if Harry Kane gets injured. That's been such a topic for all of us for a long, long time. But also, there's other players in the squad. We've been like, well, what happens if they lose two or three players? But no, Eric, no Ericsson, no Ali, uh, two or three others been missing, and suddenly it's an injury crisis because they've basically got a 15 or 16 man squad. It keeps coming back to the fact that Pochettino keeps getting undersold by the ownership of that club. Are we seeing now the issue of them not backing him financially? And and we're going to see some frustration from Pochettino this weekend. Should Cardiff, the worst team in Premier League history, and I am including Derby County, this lot are awful, if Cardiff gets something from this game? Well, look, they're not, Cardiff aren't going to get anything from this game, I don't feel. But I think for, for uh, Maurizio, obviously, he's... He, I think he's he's in for a tricky season, but if anyone can manage it, I think it's him. Look, they're, they're playing with a back three. If he played a back four, they'd have enough players anyway. It's just he's trying to show on another uh, centre-half. He's got Davinson, Sancho, Vertonghen and Alderweireld. I think they could function in, function in a back four fine. You've got Danny Rose as one full-back and Trippier as the other. So, look, up top, he's got more options this year and he's changed because previously he's always, a, uh, you know, a, a bit like Emery. He was always a 4-2-3-1. This season, he's played a diamond against United and ripped them to pieces. He's shown tactical flexibility in a back three I think they'll be I think they'll be okay they've got Song back who didn't have to do um, uh, military service so I think he always what I like about the manager is he always looks on the bright side whether that's you know the public facade but at least he, he portrays that and look he's demanding he's finished quite a few players off because they couldn't keep up with his demands physically etc I think he's got a good squad there no doubt they should have strengthened they didn't back him I think the stadium move is, has been a disaster the pitch looked terrible the pitch it? The looked pitch. awful and then obviously you're playing at MK Dons and you know the players will just be like you know how would they be doing if they were in their own stadium now I think they'll be I think that stadium's taken a lot 
actually out of him as the manager and the club and the players. You know, as players, you know, you just want to play at home. If this is your home, we want to play him at home. Look, it didn't do him that much harm last season, did it, playing at Wembley? But I think it was all geared up to start this season. It hasn't happened. I think next season will be the key for them. And, and I just wonder if they don't strengthen, if they don't do well in the summer window, what might happen with the manager then? Uh, Cardiff briefly, Ben. Uh, ben uh, Neil Warnock has been saying that uh, we need three or four players in January. Make sure we're not adrift by that point. I mean, they are going to be adrift, aren't they? And and are we approaching that point now where they might need to say, Neil, listen, mate, we love you and all that, but there'll be a championship team in for you next week, and they get someone in who, who might be able to get something from this team because I can't see anything. I can't see anything from Cardiff in the opening few games that suggests they're going to be within 15 points of being above the line. Yeah, well, you know, it's rapidly approaching along with, with, with Newcastle, ironically, with Man United playing them on Saturday and Huddersfield, the, the bottom three teams, they haven't got a win and how much longer can they keep going um, without without that and I agree with David it's not it, it's not going to come this weekend against Spurs they'll be even with their injury Spurs and let's have it right that you know they were beaten by a, 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 a well, probably the, one of the world's best club sides and they've lost to Liverpool Cardiff will not hold any problems for them whatsoever yeah. with whatever team they play and also what summed it up to me is they offered 5 million for Jefferson Lerma who went to Bournemouth for 25 you know, so I just think they're not really up with the market, and and they're never going to pay what's what's required, and they're just going to fall short this season, no doubt. Uh, Leicester Everton, three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Leicester have won three of their last four home games, as many as they've won in their previous eleven in the competition. Uh, a good performance. We talked about it from a Newcastle perspective, but a great performance, I thought, at St James's Park last week. Defence looks settled. They've, they've gone to that three behind the one striker, uh, James Madison, kind of moving left of that three from what I was watching in the game but I thought he looked fantastic once again I mean David yet another of your, your former teams here uh, and they look like you know we speak a lot about get rid of the manager and the Palace game last year when Leicester fans were in revolt get rid of him he's useless we don't want him they stuck with him he's obviously competent uh, and they're playing some great stuff they are but he, he was under pressure rightly so because if Burnley finish above you then you know you should be questioning why didn't they finish seventh no in all honesty because they had the players they had the likes of Mares and Vardy you know they blew it they absolutely blew it they should have been in the Europa League as it is look they've got a really good side I saw Madison numerous times for Norwich someone finally plucked up and, and came up with the goods with the money he's, he's been superb for them and look, they've got a really really good team so they'll be fine they're coping at the minute without Mares I don't think they have replaced him Hazal to me is not the answer and I think that is still a work in progress for them but you know terrific side going well and he had to start well because he'd lost I think seven or eight games at the back end of last season lost again to United at the start and you think uh oh he's in trouble as it is he's turned it around uh, Everton, 3-0 victors over Fulham last week. Of course, eliminated from the Carabao Cup in a game that I totally forgot was happening on Tuesday. Mm, yeah. I, was that tonight? I thought I'd totally lost the day of the week it was, which sometimes happens to me. But um, what do they need to turn the corner, Everton? Because the defence still looks a little shaky. I know it was a clean sheet last week, but, but Zuma and Keane and the full-backs doesn't look settled for me. Good news is Gilfie Sigurdsson had his first good game in 18 months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, and I thought he was, a, he was a really, really good signing for Everton. And obviously it didn't happen for him last year. He scored a terrific goal at the weekend and he's a very talented player who can score goals good from set pieces and can also turn a game with a with a decent eye for a pass as well um, they're a bit topsy-turvy for me Everton obviously they had a very good win against a, a Fulham side that, that matched them for, for more than enough of the game to get something out of it and they ran out 3-0 victors but they also uh, are very very capable of turning in very poor performances but 
Everton and Leicester should both have aspirations of, of moving themselves up the league. They had a poor finish to the season, Leicester, but I think both these clubs will be looking for a European place this time. Yeah, it feels a little bit Everton are short of a, a striker and maybe some defensive regularity and they could have a really good season, but still, Jenk Tossen, Calvert-Lewin, Omar Nias. Come on, guys, we spent like a quarter of a billion pounds. Uh, right, Crystal Palace against Wolverhampton Wanderers. I was doing the Palace game Monday, uh, and Palace were well worthy of a draw before Mamadou Sacco had another one of his mad moments. He literally got told by Mike Dean, you swing your arm, I'm going to give a penalty. He went, yeah, all right, mate, swung his arm. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, Crystal Palace, three home games this season, two defeats and a draw. The draw against Newcastle was an awful, awful game of football. Why with one of the best atmospheres in the league, the Homesdale Fanatics are meant to be back this weekend. Why with all that have they struggled at home? Liverpool, fair enough, but Newcastle, they were awful. Southampton, they got beaten at home by Southampton. Dave, what's going wrong right now with Crystal Palace in home games and how important, how important is it? I just think they've got they're overly reliant on Zaha to score because the next person along in, in the line who's most involved in their goals is Patrick van Aanholt, yeah. who's, the, who's the left-back. The the strikers, are you? He's not really done it in the Premier League, has he? Anywhere he's been, he's not good enough. Uh, Sorloth, I mean, what, I mean, what's going <gasps> he on there? He can't even trap a ball. Yeah. He couldn't even control he the football. He gave away the free kick, didn't he, that eventually led to the penalty. I mean, and they haven't been, they haven't had enough goals in the side for a long time. They're really, you know, they're relatively well organised at the back by Roy Hodgson. They've got some good midfield players. Zaha on his day is a match winner, but he's not a 20 goal a season man, is he? Maybe he could become one, but at the moment he isn't. And when you're like that, you're going you're gonna to not get the results that you probably should do. This game's interesting because you've got to get on the front foot against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Teams have tried to do it and failed to do it. They take the ball, they dominate the ball, you can't get it off them. How do Crystal Palace get on the front foot and try and dominate the ball against Wolverhampton Wanderers? Because that's how they kind of do it. They kind of play this all-action opening 20 minutes. We've planned to score two or three goals and then we'll see where we are. How do they do it against Wolves? They need to move the ball forward quickly because um, and I was there a couple of weeks ago when Wolves came to Old Trafford and they are an exceptionally good football inside that are also very well organised defensively. They get themselves into a shape. They're difficult to break down and once they turn the ball over, they can move forward with it quickly and they've got the players to do it. You need to keep the ball away from the from the front four or five players at Wolves because they're all capable of hurting you. And with the with the addition of Sean Martino as well, who, who virtually ran the the game at Old Trafford and scored the goal as well. Um, they've got somebody that is 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 a real focal point of the way they play. So they've got to get the ball forward early and keep it away from those players, which is easier said than done because they they have been one of the best teams I've seen this season. I mean, for all the the sort of negatives about Benteke, he was an out ball for Palace, and when he's not in the team, and the, the front unit is tiny, so it goes front to back. It's not sticking; it's coming back. Uh, I think against Wolves, who were the best side I saw last season, they were fantastic in the Championship. The back three are superb. They've got a wonderful way of playing. Molyneux's rocking. I know it's not at Molyneux, but you know they harness that home crowd, and they've got a really, really good way of playing. The two wing backs are f- superb. They get up and down for fun. Loads of legs and energy. I think this is a difficult afternoon for Palace. I know we have a lot of listeners in Ghana and I don't want to upset the people in Accra listening but I can't think of a footballing pair of brothers more pointless than the Ayus. both of them like how have they had careers it baffles me they're not actually good 
at anything. It, it drives me mad. I can't understand their positions, what they do. Anyway, sorry, I know. I'm, I'm disinvited from many a barbecue now, I know. Uh, let's move on. Burnley against Huddersfield, 3 o'clock this coming Saturday. Burnley scored more Premier League goals in their game against Bournemouth than they'd done in their previous five combined at Turf Moor. Huddersfield this weekend, winless, and then after 11 Premier League games, one of the three uh, teams in the bottom three at the moment are not to have, have won a single game. Ben, of course, you played for the club. Uh, Huddersfield Town, I've said this every week on the show, I think David Wagner got massively undersold in the summer. I'm surprised he wanted to stay, considering the poor budget that he had. If anything, the squad got worse from last season. I mean, what on earth can Huddersfield do to survive this season? Do they go to Burnley this weekend and just try and scrap for a nil-nil draw? Is that the game plan? I'm sincerely hoping not. I mean, I have a, a, a huge affection for, for Huddersfield Town um, from the club that they were, once were and then I played for them. They, they fell through the, the divisions and then they got themselves back up and they're in the Premier League and I, I was as proud as anybody having played for them to see where they came. And and, and last season was a was a, an immense achievement to, to not go down. Um, I do fear for them this time, I must admit. Yeah, I think they might, they might run out of steam. I don't think they've got anybody that can put the ball in the back of the net uh, they haven't got huge quality anywhere on the field uh, and they are going to be reliant on on I would say free kicks and set pieces corners etc of trying to nick a, a goal Burnley are, are on the up they've they've won the last two after a, a really poor start an unexpected poor start it has to be said uh, and they proved last year what a very very good match they can be for for anybody in this Premier League and I think that they'll they'll beat Huddersfield this weekend sadly it's a must win I think so they've yeah. got Man City next for Burnley so I think um, you know it's a game they really have to win and I can't see anything else other than a victory Huddersfield I think are certain to go down both, both, me both these games both these games last seasons were nil-nil were they really? Yeah, yeah. Well, safe bet. Just of the twenty-seven shots attempted across the two got, games. Oh. Sorry, Huddersfield have got Liverpool after the international oh. break as well. That's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's annoying with Huddersfield because I like Aaron Moy and I like Pritchard and they've got creative potential. But they look up and they see Laurent Dupuytren, who's just a great big bag of jelly with a ball patch, an absolute waste of time. <laughs> you know, buy a striker, get a striker in. Well, they haven't scored in something like twenty-five or forty-something games. So I can't yeah. see that really. Changing, can you? No, not really. Departure no. sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like all of us, apart from, you know, YouTube. Well, actually, yeah. Fair enough. We'll be on this side of the room, down the restaurant. Yeah, fine. With, uh, with Mike Ashley. We've got to move on. Watford Bournemouth is a three o'clock kickoff this Saturday. I thought Watford, again, played very well against Arsenal. We mentioned it earlier. If Isaac's success was a little bit more composed at the vital moments, they, they probably would have got something from that game. Uh, tough fixtures they've had. Bournemouth, once again, on Monday Night Football, they, they, they seem a bit like Crystal Palace. They've got a plan for 20 minutes. A whole, we're going to get something from this game. We're going to do this. And then they got their goal and were like, oh, we're leading this game now. What are we meant to be doing now? What's the plan for the next 20 minutes of that half? They were, and, and Eddie Howe kept having to manage the whole team through like phases of the game, which I thought was quite interesting. I, I don't know what to interpret from that, but I thought it was quite interesting. And it's, I think Watford will go into this game big favourites. I think they've got, a, they've got a chance to get back to winning ways here. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Bournemouth are really interesting because this time last year they were struggling near the bottom. I mean, they're now what, up to 6th, 7th. I mean, it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's 6th, 7th. Watford in 6th. 6th, 7th, yeah. So, I mean, look, they're, they're, I've got, I really like Eddie Howe, but I just wonder, how are they going to sustain it? How can mm. they do it? There was 10,199 in attendance. Amazing. You know, that they're, they're a, a, what, a top 
top 10 Premier League team when's that going to when's that going to end I think it's a very interesting point you make because that is a, a really good comparison to make between the two teams they both came up to the Premier League in the same season Bournemouth just picked Watford to the title on the last day which is something that still rankles with Watford fans <laughs> but Watford as we know we've seen a lot of change over the, over that time different coaches every season different players Bournemouth pretty much with a few additions here and there same core group of players that came up same manager same coaching staff Eddie Howe one day will leave Bournemouth when that happens what happens to Bournemouth whereas Watford have shown that they can cope with change and they'll go on they've got a model whereas Bournemouth is it's all built around Eddie Howe and that group of players and how they manage the transition whether it's under Howe or another coach will define whether they stay up in the Premier League for a long time. Yeah, great to see Junior Stanislas scoring as well this week. Another one of those guys that went to Eddie Howe. He left Burnley about four or five years ago and it was his career was meandering. And it, I think it shows with Eddie Howe that he develops players. Callum Wilson, another. Josh King, another. Ryan Fraser, another. There are players yeah. that play under Eddie Howe that get better. Uh, I'd love to see that, but I think that's going to be a very interesting point. Uh, I think it'll be a decent game as well, that one. Listen, one more game we haven't mentioned. Uh, it's the Friday night football this week. Uh, and I'm aware some of you will be listening on Saturday. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that great West Ham win. It's Brighton against West Ham at 8 o'clock UK time. And I think this is going to be interesting for West Ham. I know you were covering the game last week, Ben, because this is the barometer of where West Ham really are. The first seven games have been a, a weird mess of a couple of good performances, some atrocious performances. The Wolves game was dreadful. Last year against Brighton, they were humiliated in the home game. They were outplayed in the away game. Brighton can only beat Man United these days. That's about it. Maybe it's the same for West Ham. I don't know. Uh, but I think this is a great test to see if West Ham have actually got better or whether they do what they've always done and they play better against the bigger names and the lesser less alliance, they can't be bothered. Well, they can't afford to do that. And they've certainly, in, in, in the last three games, Chelsea, you know, stopping their 100% record and, and easily beating Manchester United, I'm, I'm very, very sorry to say. Um, Brighton, only win they've got was against Manchester United again. And I was there covering that game for MUTV and they thoroughly deserved it. United didn't deserve the two goals that they actually scored. Uh, Brighton played that well, uh, as they did in the in the. Fix- year in May when we when when they went there at the end of the season and beat us also, so it is it is going to be a very interesting game because Brighton need to win that is their only win to date uh, and West Ham have really picked up and I think that if they've got aspirations like you you know your Leicester's and your Everton's of this world of moving up the league then they have to go to places like Brighton who are struggling uh, and go and get three points. I mean, they have showed character, Brighton, you know, for Chris Shooting. They've been down at Southampton and they've come back. And uh, obviously you want to see him do well. I think they've got limitations as a, as a side. Uh, he's, he's spent some cash, but I don't know if they've been the best signings, to be honest. Heavily reliant on Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray, yeah. At his age, he's doing fantastically well. How long can that continue? And without him, they don't have Pascal Gross. For, uh, I, I'm just not sure. I don't think they have that much. And I think West Ham, if they're on it, they can come away with three points here. You've been impressed with West Ham the last few weeks. What's he changed? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they were set up tactically. I think he's done really well. He's made a couple of different uh, sort of um, nuances to combat certain players. For example, he's played a right footer at at left back to combat different foot wingers, maybe if they're inverted wingers coming in onto their stronger foot. So he's obviously, I think he's taken him a little while to assess what he's got in the building. I think his signings have needed time because they didn't have much game time last season. They like to say Yarmolenko, Philippe Anderson, although they were 
expensive. They haven't actually played as much football as a lot of people think. Um, so they've had a bit of time to bed in. They've obviously improved. If you've got Arnautovic, if you've got Arnie up there, you've always got a chance. I mean, he's a top, top player. They did really well to keep hold of him, and I'm sure Mourinho would have loved to have got him in the end. He didn't. So I think it's a it's a slowly evolving animal with them. Look, they must be confident. Put eight pot Macclesfield. Obviously, you scored three against United. Um, I think they'll be going there with their tails up. And as you say, I think it'll be a game that really, if they need to show how far they've progressed they've got to back it up and going away from home to Brighton it'll be a difficult game very solid 4-2-3-1 you know try not to give much away it'll be a tough game but I think they need to come away at three points yeah big test of West Ham's new found confidence and their better defence as well front three could be quite dangerous but oh, now I've changed my mind Brighton 2-0 I've gone the other way uh, right we're out of time for this week uh, thank you to our panel a reminder if you're listening to this programme on a radio station you can download an extended podcast search for TalkSport Premier League preview show on ACAR iTunes any good podcast provider Uh, no show next week it's the international break so we'll see you in two weeks time the Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes the latest odds we set them form guides we've got them Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.